0: All right, welcome to the GPU podcast. My name is Jonathan Cole, host of podcast, along with my co-host Shane Smither. Say hi.
1: Hi, that's me. This time we're trying not to be cringy. You might have noticed our past episode intros are all just, you know, the worst. We're trying to fix that. Sorry. I don't promise anything at this point,
0: and I feel like us acknowledging that just made this one cringy. Uh... Well,
1: you know, I've, I saw this video about how to be charismatic even when you're cringy. And basically it boiled down to acknowledge the awkwardness to make it go away.
0: I mean, there's some truth in that. I, I don't doubt that. Uh, there, I, I think there's many different ways to approach being awkward. And uh, when it comes to, I guess technically public speaking is what a podcast is. If you want to get down to it, it it's a limited public and they get to choose whether or not, but it is. Technically. It's an,
1: I would call it an assumed public. We assume there's people out
0: there. We're we're talking to a proverbial uh, audience of which we believe there to be. Yes.
1: I don't don't know if the word proverbial... Hang on. I need (laughs) to know what the word proverbial means.
0: (laughs) I'm actually looking it up right now.
1: (laughs) Proverbial.
0: Relating to or resembling a proverb.
1: Referred to in a proverb or idiom.
0: Maybe I used that wrong.
1: Um, so speaking of acknowledging the awkwardness, that was pretty weird, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Um, but all right, so moving
1: on, moving on.
0: (laughs) All right, so today's topics we're covering, uh, first off, Deep Rock Galactic. Shane and the group have been playing that a fair bit. I have no clue about it, so this is. Uh, kind of informational for me as well. Um, And depending on how long that takes, you'll see either a lot more Destiny 2 talk from my end or a lot less, but I'm going to be talking all about the Witch Queen, what came out, day one raid, what that looks like, I participated, was it hard? Yes, was it worth it? Still questionable. Um, And how my overall thoughts are on that. So uh, with that, uh, we'll we'll have a thing to say if you just want to listen to Witch Queen for some reason, but I... Don't really know why you wouldn't want to hear about Deep Rock Galactic, because from what I know, Shane, it's taken up a lot of your time in terms of video games recently.
1: Uh, In terms of multiplayer, it's taken up like 95% of my recent, recent video game playing time.
0: Yeah, so I'd say that's a pretty good recommendation from someone who plays majority single player.
1: Definitely. I am a big, big single player sort of person.
0: Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, I think we can just kick it off. Uh, yeah. What's your thought? What, what is the game? Thoughts on it? What, what do you like? Dislike? I guess. Just in general synopsis, if you could give that.
1: All right. So where to start? Um, quick overview. The game is about being a a dwarf in space. You're working for a mining company that owns a. It's not really clear what it is exactly—a planetoid, an asteroid. A planet, something like that, called Hoxies 4. And basically you run missions in a drop pod where you drop onto on the planet, you carry out a mission. There's like 10 different mission types, I think. And then once the mission is completed, you evacuate out while there's a bunch of uh, hostile native life chasing you. Um, it's 1-4 to four player, which is one of the things I like about it a lot. You don't have to have a group to play it. It's just the more the merrier sort of situation, but by no means is it necessary. So I play it by myself. I play it with uh, roommates, friends. You know, it's just whoever wants to jump in certainly can. Um, is
0: there a story to it, or is it just a grind? Like, what's what's why, what makes you keep on playing? I guess, like,
1: what's the goals? There's not what I would call a story, but there is the beginnings of lore. Um, I think the game just had its fourth year anniversary, and they just recently started doing um, seasons. I think we're still in the... We're either just about to finish season one, or we just finished. I'm not 100% sure, because I haven't played for a couple of days. But uh, Basically, so, season one added in a mission where you you have a new boss that is basically a guardian of the data of a rival mining company that's like scoping out your planet and you're you're stealing the data so that they don't go like hey that's a really nice planet we're gonna come also mine it
0: gotcha um so so it has so are we talking i guess lore wise so like fortnite has lore but it's not directly impacting seas like the uh game itself like gameplay or uh Overwatch, you're just playing, like, player versus player, um, but there's and there's lore around them. Like, well, is it more like that, I guess? Where there's yeah. lore around it, but it's not actually, like, following lore specifically?
1: Pretty much. The lore, if I'm honest, is more of an afterthought or a continuation of the base game, which is Eurodwarf doing their day job mining for a deep rock galactic mining company.
0: Gotcha. Um, so goal wise, what makes you keep on playing? I guess like, cause like for me, I want to have like achievements or objectives or like, Oh, I get this new tool or something like what, what's that look like?
1: Well, I have good news for you. <laughs> there are four playable classes in the game. Uh, engineer, scout, driller and gunner and each each class has their own upgrade trees and perks to well not perks i'll get to that in a second each class has their own upgrade tree to where you know when you level up enough you get what are called assignments from the company deep rock galactic um and if you finish this assignment it gives you the license to use another weapon so as you play you unlock new Uh, weapons and tools
0: so what would this be akin to Minecraft or something that is like you have upgrade paths and you're working for the upgrade paths really like I'm I'm trying to figure out like I mean obviously you love this game uh, so like how does it factor into like I mean it's not Minecraft obviously because Minecraft's open world like it continuous but like Obviously, you do these missions, you go and you mind this stuff, and I, you're just trying to get the upgrade path. That's really all that you're working for, towards?
1: Um, In a very macro sense, I, th- I guess you could say yes. In a micro sense, just the gameplay itself is fun enough that getting new weapons is more of a fun little tweak to the gameplay that just... It's a little bit of incentive, but it Ultimately, for me, it's the gameplay that keeps me playing it.
0: Okay, so it has good mechanics, then. Like, the game feels good, like, runs smooth, and, like, you enjoy
1: the interaction. And the differences between the different missions keep it varied enough to where, by the time I've done, you know, all ten, I'm ready to do the first one again.
0: Gotcha. Um, So what class do you go to? Like, what's your go-to class? Because you said there's four.
1: Right, uh, my first was The Engineer and I ended up liking the game so much that I pretty much decided that I'm just gonna upgrade all of the the classes because they all have their own upgrade paths.
0: Oh um, right, because you're a hundred percenter.
1: If I like the game. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to, to ver to clarify that a hundred percenting only matters to me if I like the game and want to spend as much time as I can with it.
0: Fair. Um so, so you start with engineer. So, what what are the differences in the classes? Like, what makes them unique? I guess.
1: Uh, well, to say what makes them unique, I think you have to say what makes them the same first. Okay. So each class has a pickaxe to mine, you know, minerals or dig holes and such. They are dwarves after all. Um, each class has a big gun, a little gun, and a tool type gun. Okay. So for the engineer, they Oh, it's been a while since I played the engineer because I already uh, promoted them once and then I moved to the Scout, which I then promoted, and now I'm on the driller. So Oh
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> so I gotta I gotta search way back in the data banks here in my brain. Um
0: this 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 sounds uh, like obviously I all compared to is like really Destiny, but it sounds like someone going in and maxing out their first class hunter, then going to warlock, then going to Titan.
1: That's that's more of an accurate uh sim similogy uh, simile. Yes, simile. That's a closer simile than for comparing it to Minecraft. I would say. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, the engineer. They, I guess I'll just, I'll say what they start out with. The engineer started out with a shotgun, a grenade launcher, and a gun that shoots platforms. Okay. So, like, you can shoot a platform at a wall, and then, you know, there'll be a ledge there where there wasn't before.
0: Gotcha. So it's it's gives you some mobility, some options to move around.
1: Yeah, usually the tool gun is mobility-based.
0: Oh, cool. Okay.
1: Um... So, yeah, that's the engineer, which pairs really well with what our our friend Jordan was playing. He plays with me most of the time. He started yeah, out playing this? as the scout, okay, so
0: See, I would have picked him as starting out a shooter, honestly, but okay,
1: I think we tried that because that's what the game like defaults you to the very first time you boot it up. but huh. the, the funny thing about the. The shooter is—he's probably the least mobile of all of them. Interesting. And uh, moving is kind of a, a huge fun part of this game.
0: So, so would you say that there's like class? Some classes are harder to play than others, or like have have a yes. more of a learning curve than others?
1: Yes, especially depending on who you're playing with, or if you're playing with anybody at all.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so or, so would it be? F- fair i'm I'm just trying to think of like games I have played like um like overwatch you have tank you have healer and you have d p s and like would you would it be like each of the classes kind of fill a role similar to that in a sense like one support one's brought, like taking care of the most of it and one's like just clearing stuff
1: kind of you a, could. A... You could shoehorn them into those positions, but it's not a one-to- one fit, I would say
0: okay, cool. um so so you tell us about the engineer what what's the scouts uh oh, one,
1: one last question. thing for the engineer he can build sentry guns.
0: Oh, oh, okay, so you just get to you know sit on your chair and let it do the work
1: <laughs> yeah so as a as a single player uh engineers are is really nice because you can set up guns and then have them shoot while you you know kite enemies around and pick them off where you can.
0: Okay, gotcha. gotcha.
1: Uh, so, so Scout, he has like a pistol. I think he also starts with a shotgun and a flare gun. Which that's another part that I probably should have mentioned earlier. The caves that you are playing in are dark because you're you're in caves in space.
0: Right. Okay. So,
1: so each dwarf has flares, which are basically just glow sticks that you can throw. And they recharge over time, but they burn out somewhat quickly and they're not that bright where the scout has a flare gun, which you shoot a flare and it goes, you know, super far. And it basically lights up a whole cavern worth of light for an extended period of time before it burns. That, puts,
0: that sounds awesome. At the same time, like I can just imagine hordes of enemies that all of a sudden you just lit up.
1: Yeah, that happens sometimes. And it's real creepy because the enemies are all bugs.
0: Ah, so this is, uh, okay. It sounds like, why is it, I I have this odd fear of bugs in the sense like they just always look alien. Like there's never a time where I've looked at a bug and I'm like, yeah, that looks like it's supposed to be on earth.
1: Yeah. So you like shoot a, shoot a flare gun at the ceiling and then it's covered in just skittering legs and gnashing mandibles. And you're like, Oh, look away.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> um so so how often are you just playing in straight up darkness then? Like in Darkness ten- is
1: basically the default. You have to light up where you're going.
0: Okay. So why don't you set your gamma to like whatever ridiculous number you can get so you can just see at all the times?
1: Because that's what we call being lame.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you really want to ruin your own experience I, that might be a that, that might be an option
0: i i it just like it almost sounds horror-ish to me like because you're always not seeing
1: i can see how it sounds like that but if you uh watch gameplay or anything like that it's it's a it's more of an action vibe than horror. okay, okay. every once in a while there's a jump scare like a a bug pops up next to you that you weren't expecting or
0: I... I have in my mind the Wreck-It-Ralph uh, shooter game that he is, has all the bugs that they're killing off like that's what is in my mind how this looks like
1: that's not too far off honestly
0: okay okay so we've we've talked about engineer we've talked about scout and then uh, there's also the shooter and the one other class I forgot already
1: one last thing for the scout he has a grapple gun which means oh, he that. is the most mobile of all of them.
0: Well, I, I I would hope he would be. Scout typically denotes mobility.
1: Yeah, but and he pairs super cool. well with the engineer because the engineer can shoot a platform under something that's like on a sheer cliff, and then the scout can just grapple up there, get it, grapple down. Easy peasy.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So I moving on better. to the driller. He's okay. got... He's got he starts out with a flamethrower which is like a ba- your basic AoE just if there's a horde you just shoot into the horde and they all take a little bit of damage over time. Okay. Um which his upgrade path for that is pretty cool. You can get a gun that shoots ice which freezes them and you can get a gun that shoots poison which obviously poisons them and slows them down. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite's the ice.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is, I know you're not making this comparison intentionally, but this is sounding like Destiny 2 to me.
1: <laughs> Honestly, there are some striking similarities. It's, okay. it's like if Destiny 2 was Strikes, and you were Dwarves, and that's basically it.
0: Well, I mean, technically, Destiny 2 is Strikes. That's all I played when I first started playing Destiny 2. Um... But, yes, no, I, I understand.
1: Um. So, the Driller's second gun is a pistol, which is pretty unremarkable, honestly. And he has a satchel charge, which is just like a remotely detonated bomb. Useful, uh, but but other than that, unremarkable. Although it does do a lot of damage against bosses, if you can get it to hit. Okay. Uh, What makes him really cool, though, is he has a giant drill. That he can use to, uh, you know, just chew through walls. Basically, he like if if something is on the top of a cliff, you can literally just dig at an incline and be at the top of the cliff. <laughs> okay, cool.
0: Yeah, so
1: he he's just like, I got it, guys. It just goes through. So so like every dwarf has a pickaxe, right? So All anybody right. could technically dig. It's just the driller can do a a full dwarf sized tunnel in a tenth of the time that it would take someone with a pickaxe
0: gotcha so would you say typically like a team would want to have one of each member type and for like best outcome or is there ones that like would be better team uh builds or do you get a choice actually i I guess i don't know if you're allowed to have like multiple of the same class
1: yeah you can you can pick what you want to play as and the game is one to four player and if you want all four people could be scouts Gunners, drillers, whatever.
0: Interesting.
1: My I, personal I favorite. Or go ahead. My yeah. my personal favorite duo is the engineer and the scout for the reasons I said earlier.
0: See, I almost wonder if like you wouldn't want engineer scout doubled up for like most efficient team, or maybe have like two scouts, one engineer, and a driller. But you haven't told me much about the shooter yet, so I don't know what it's. Uh role really fills.
1: Yeah. Plus the more people you have, the game does scale its difficulty. Gotcha. So so two people could play as a scout and a a engineer and get by pretty well, but if you double the players, then you double the enemies and you s- might run into issues of like running out of ammo.
0: So I want I want to get to, I want to get into the difficulty thing, but I first want to hear about the last class.
1: Yes, so the Gunner is the one I haven't played yet, so I know the least about it. Uh, he basically has a, a Gatling gun, I think a pistol. Um, he can throw down a sh- an energy shield that will like push away enemies for a little bit, and if there's incoming projectiles, they'll bounce off. And the mobility thing is pretty cool. It is a permanent zip line that anybody can use.
0: Oh okay, so he's uh he uh shoot. Um Pathfinder from Apex Legends.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, because the Pathfinder just shoots out zip lines for his team to use. So that that actually does sound pretty cool.
1: Uh one thing that makes it I, I guess balanced you could say is that it does have a limited amount of use before you have to either resupply or finish the level.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Like I think, it's five zip lines maybe until you're out of zip line ammo. Huh. Okay. Cool. Um. So, yeah.
0: uh, back to I guess you, you mentioned it scales. So, um, and I, I this is I guess more leading to eventually. Well, I'll be talking about the Witch Queen, but. They have made a scalable legendary campaign in Witch Queen. So, like, there's parts of it that legitimately people were stuck on forever. And because it scaled, like, you could do it easier as one person a lot of the time than you can do it with more people. Like, do you have, like, missions where you go in and you're like, this is terrible. Like, we can't get this done.
1: I have an example that is basically one-to-one the same exact thing. Okay. So, th- there's actually multiple ways to scale. First of all, if you have more players, it's harder. There's more bad guys. You know, typical, fairly standard. Right. Second of all, you can change the hazard level on your missions uh, from one to five. The the higher it is, the much, much, much harder it gets, as well as you get more experience and money. Okay. So one of the assignments you can get, which is the thing that lets you unlock new stuff, is if you finish the assignment, you get to unlock hazard level 5. And to get hazard level 5, you have to do a set of missions all at hazard level 4. Okay. (laughs) So this is scaling quickly. (laughs) Hazard level 3 is where we're at the point of we can usually do it, but it's not always clean, you know? Like we die a couple times or we're almost out of ammo at the very end, that sort of thing. So have you
0: ever done a five?
1: We tried, which,
0: okay. So it it legitimately is one of those, like actually difficult must have like perfect teamwork, know where all the things are. Like this is the type of thing that you like scope out and maybe get lucky after 50 runs.
1: About 50, but yeah, it it, uh... It does take some skill and some very effective teamwork to to get through it. It's not something you can just plow through.
0: Cool. Okay, that uh, that sounds pretty good. Um, how how crucial is teamwork to this across the board? So it depends I mean, on your hazard level. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, so like hazard level three, like how much like comms callouts, like how important is it?
1: Um. It's pretty important. You got to know when there's like, you know, a big enemy spawning or if you're about to go down or uh, if you see health somewhere that the other players clearly need, you can point it out to them, which there is a ping system. So you can like use this little laser pointer tool to to ping it out and then they can see it on their own heads up display.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Okay.
1: But back to the thing you were saying about Destiny, where it's easier to play it by yourself. Mm hmm. So, one of the ways they make solo play still fun and not just lonely or horrible, boring slog is you get this robot called Bosco, who is a drone okay. that you can like tell to mine out stuff for you. You can have him shoot rockets, and he also just shoots th- shoots enemies by himself without having to like direct him. So, okay, having a little AI companion that does most of your shooting for you. At least on lower hazard difficulties, makes it very doable. Okay, cool. Um, in fact, that assignment that we have that you have to do to unlock hazard level five, I uh, I did two of those by myself solo because we couldn't do them multiplayer. Because when we did the multiplayer, there was like legitimate bosses spawning in areas where we have to stay inside or else we lose the mission and the, and the bosses just crowd you out so bad. Sometimes it's like a boss that will literally explode if you get too close. And it was in an area where we had to be or else we lost the mission. So just stuff like that happens that makes it at least from my perspective, impossible. But as a single player, with a drone that shoots for me and knows where all the other bad guys are because, you know, it's AI. Right. Uh, it made it a lot easier. Not gonna lie.
0: Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. So I think... I, wanna, I guess, any closing thoughts or overall, like, random game? Because um, we've we almost taken up half time here for uh, Deep Rock, so I think it's yeah. pretty good. I, I, I understand a lot more now than I did before when we started this. Like, I actually... Really want this game to go on sale so I can get it because I've it's one of those things where, like, I didn't get into Destiny whenever it was like I had to pay to get in. I got in because I got in for free, and then I found out I loved it and got into it. I don't want to just like pay the upfront price. And like, we, we have different tastes in games for some for a fair amount of stuff, Shane. So, like, this might be one of those things where, like, you've explained it pretty well, but you also explained it from someone who loves it already, and I don't know if I would love it.
1: And if I may, if I went more into the weeds about, like, the differences in between missions, maybe that would massage your, your train of thought better. But uh, that seems like a little bit too much in depth for what, what we're going for here. And like you said, we got to move on to the next subject.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess just in general, final thoughts and what you would want to communicate to anyone who like is looking at this potentially. Cause like at the listening this podcast, they might want to play this game now based off what you
1: said. So. Um, um, if you're the kind of person who likes picking up shiny things in the darkness, if you identify with Bilbo in that cave where he picked up the ring, <laughs> 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 this, this pitch is already great. <laughs> this is the game for you. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something just really satisfying about going into such a, you know, alien hostile place and uh, bringing back a bunch of riches by the skinnier beard. Um, even if it is for, you know, a soulless corporation called Deep Rock Galactic.
0: Yeah, okay. I, fair, fair enough. Um, okay, so wh- if you had to rank this game out of 10, what would you put
1: it on your personal scale? You know, I don't give 10 out of 10s that often.
0: Oh, oh, this, 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 that statement leads me to believe
1: something, but continue. In terms of multiplayer games, I would call this a 10 out of 10. Oh my goodness, that's high
0: praise. Wow. Um,
1: for, for reference, I have put 76 hours into this, which that's... is very rare for me to go over 50 with like anything.
0: I guess that's fair. I never realized that I put in more hours than you on a lot of games at this point. That's also because I devote really hardcore to one game for a long time.
1: Which that, that's another thing. I usually I'm a I'm a game grazer. I play a game. I get my fill and I move on. Mm. And Meanwhile, that didn't that didn't happen with this game. And it shows no sign of hap- happening. I'm I'm still all in 76 hours later. Well, cool. Um, and
0: that's I've not awesome. even got
1: to playing as the gunner yet, so.
0: Do you uh do you stream this?
1: I have before, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so I'm just gonna here here's our mid roll, I guess, or whatever, but you can watch uh Shane playing uh this at twitch.tv slash smithers. That's Y R ending. Um S M I T H Y R. Yep. And then uh for this next segment, uh I you can catch me on twitch.tv uh Cybrus 1 and there's a three instead of an E for Cybrus. So, uh, and we have uh, Spotify, fun fact, has polls and q- Q&As that you guys can respond to. And I'm going to put on like, uh, last episode I put, do you follow us at these? And currently we've had no responses, but I I also didn't mention it in the last episode because I didn't know until after I published it. Um, but then there's also... Uh, we can ask questions. Uh, so like I'm going to bring up the same question I asked last week as uh, do you like this content change from what we used to do? If you're new here, we used to have a lot more people uh, on the podcast and we do more larger group discussions, but now it's just uh, me and Shane really talking this through. Um, and so do you like the old style? Do you like this new style that we're going through? Um, let us know uh, in the Q and A. Um, so that, that's how you can interact with us. Otherwise you can, Message us on Twitch, obviously. Like, I love talking with chat. Um, so, um, Shane, you're in. anything else you want to
1: mention? Uh, I guess just that this episode has been sponsored by us. <laughs> well, technically, every
0: episode is sponsored by us at this point. Yeah, but we this one like...
1: more so that with that that whole <laughs> self plugging right there we just did. Hey.
0: There's no such thing as a plug that's not shameless at this point. I believe. Like, I I, I fully believe in shameless plugging. Like, you know what? That's fair. I like we enjoy doing this stuff. Like I like streaming. I really like talking with people on stream and like talking with whoever I'm playing the game with. Be like, hey, this is what my stream is saying or whatever. Or gain different input. It's really fun for me. It makes the game better, in my opinion. So, am I not going to plug something that makes me enjoy my gameplay more? No, I'm going to plug the heck out of it.
1: <laughs> so, so, so Witch Queen, um,
0: tell oh, me why yeah. she's
1: better than the Dairy Queen. <laughs>
0: um well if you want to get into it she's not better but the campaign was way better (laughs) um okay so so to break it down real quick here and uh, i mean if you want to ask me kind of the same question format here uh as i go into it uh feel free Uh, i think actually that's a really good idea across the board for us to do on this podcast like it's almost like we're interviewing each other on topics we like
1: i do have a question Um, to start out with that just kind of frames the rest of the discussion in my in my mind
0: yeah, sure. Go ahead.
1: How connected is Witch Queen to the rest of the Destiny storyline slash lore?
0: Oh, okay. So this this is why I love it so much. It is integral to everything we've ever done in Destiny. Like this so, is
1: the... you could call it part ten of a ten series thing.
0: Uh, I would argue this is the piece that filled out why we did everything before. Like this this was what is integral. So. So to give context, I, I don't have the time to get into the insanity of destiny lore. And I'm going to try and go spoiler free for a little bit of this. And I'll just say like spoilers at this point um, for the game, because I will start talking spoilers. Um, but in, in the Witch Queen, we have Sabathun. She is the uh, Hive Queen of Deception. That is her uh, big thing. And so we've been hinted at uh, Sabathun's existence since beginning of Destiny 2. And even before that, in Destiny 1, there were hints across the board with it. Um, we killed Oryx, her brother, in Destiny 1. That was the giant uh, DLC, um, Fallen King. And it, it was the thing that everyone loved so much about the original game. And so, like, we're talking similar scaling, similar expectations from the community for the Witch Queen coming out because it is the same, like, it presence and level existing um be- because of what we've already seen. Uh and so you look at overall destiny what this did, they uh added a whole new world to the game which is like aesthetically really nice honestly. Like I really love what they did with the new world. It's it's a lot of contrasting really bright and really dark colors and it's just really appealing to like g- go around and do activities in.
1: Like you I say never a new World is this, like a, a planet or
0: so that's the weird thing. It's not a planet. It, so So the Hive have these things called Throne Worlds. And the so dimension. in Oryx, yeah, yeah, it's their own dimension. Okay. Um. And so in Oryx's thing, his ship was his Throne World. Like, you get one in there, and that's how you kill him. You can only kill a Hive inside their Throne World. Uh, or one of the Hive gods. So there's the three gods, Oryx, Savathun, and Zivu Arath. Um. And they were the ones that created the hive which we have to fight in the game and so from there we we, we killed Oryx off already we killed uh, his son Crota was that was like one of the first ever raids in Destiny Savathun's thing is we go to Mars Mars was taken away in the uh, Beyond Light DLC and so we couldn't actually do anything with Mars which made a lot of us really sad because Mars was really fun to play around on um, and they kind of gave it back to us because all of a sudden Mars popped back on the map but you can't really do anything with it right now. But that's okay because they gave us the Throne World instead. So like you go to Mars, you find out, investigate and then you end up in Saturn's Throne World through some investigation. And then the Throne World is where everything happens, where where you're actually interacting with things and fighting off the hive and actually going through the campaign. And gotcha. uh the the whole premise here, the whole premise of Destiny is it's light versus dark right like i i if if you never looked at destiny that's the basis is you are a guardian a guardian is a wielder of light from this being called the traveler and then the hive are wielders of darkness and corruption and they are trying to uh kill off the lights they're trying to in this case they're actually stealing the lights um and that's the weird thing you don't know why but all of a sudden savathun who we Previously, we're trying to kill, and we actually helped her remove the darkness worm that was giving her power in the previous season. All of a sudden, she's now wielding our power in the in this new DLC. Like we've never seen another enemy. We, there's no enemy ever in the game uh, besides one enemy from the very beginning. But it, it's kind of like a cop out for his existence of wielding it. We've never seen an enemy wield the light and continuously fight us with it. And that's so the like, light
1: is is the, the colloquial term for your source of power
0: yes so and the
1: tri- this is the dark which the dark worm was causing the bad lady thing to have
0: well it, it's what granted her her initial power
1: and but by taking she, it away it opened her up to the light
0: it, it gave her the option yeah so it, it it's really there that this is going to get into spoiler territory pretty soon here but um just, just across the board, we are now fighting Light Hive. So not just her, but her entire brood, as it's called, the whole enemy forces, are imbued with light. So they have, like, they can use our abilities against us. They can't, they, they have more, they have extra shields like we do. Like, they're, they, across the board, all of a sudden, it's not like, you're just, like, this is like I'm fighting Guardians in PvP, but this is an AI with different tracking and specific class callouts.
1: Also, doesn't the light mean that anybody who wields it is not immortal per se but can be resurrected when they die?
0: Yeah, so you have a ghost and that uh if as long as your ghost isn't destroyed, you can then be resurrected.
1: So are you basically um, destroying your enemies' ghosts when you're defeating Yeah.
0: Them? That's the big thing. You go in and like the first mission, you encounter one of these light or a hive lights, guardian type things. And you like, you fight it, you, and then like it dies, but then the ghost shows up and it's annoying. Cause like I knew ahead of time we had to start crushing ghosts and it's kind of really satisfying in game. Cause it's your finisher option. Cause like you always have finishers in destiny to like do a little bit more flair to knock someone's health out without wasting ammo. Um, And it's it's the same thing. It's like you're finishing off your target and you couldn't finish it off for the first time because they had like, oh, they can come back to life. So you have to make sure you finish them because like legitimately, if you do not go up and finish off their ghost, like crush their ghost, they will respawn. and You have to do the fight all over again.
1: It's annoying and satisfying at the same time.
0: Exactly. And that's why it's so good, because like there's this pressure, like, you know, as soon as you kill it off, you need to go kill that ghost because you don't want to have to fight that guardian like a uh, hive bear light bearer again it sounds like um,
1: such a familiar mechanic but i can't place it in any other game that i've played
0: i yeah exactly like the it's it's so unique but also familiar to across the board um i i, I equate it to finish him in mortal combat is like what i would put like the finishing of that being um so, anyways, uh, getting into spoiler territory here, because, like, technically that was kind of spoilers, but if you watch the trailers, you know this happens. Like, that, 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 that was pretty well broadcasted into what Witch Queen is. So, uh, going off of what you were talking about with scaling uh, difficulty, Legendary Campaign both is way harder, like, every enemy is not a one-shot guarantee, like Normal Destiny, uh, even with because your light level shields. High. well, not just shields. Like they have over shields, so like they've always had that to a certain degree. But they have like a second one over their normal, and it's not every enemy. Like just some of them. Like that you have these little moths that fly around that then they imbue, and so you have to shoot the moth so it doesn't imbue another enemy after you kill an enemy. Okay. Um, and so there's like technically an X limited amount, but it could continue continually perpetuate if you don't take care of the uh, extra shields. Um. But the so so before in Destiny two you always were finding the same amount of ads even on the higher difficulties like maybe they would throw a few more ads but in campaign you just had the same thing single player or multiplayer they scaled it so freaking much like we could not beat it three player on the final boss or in a mid uh on one of the middle bosses that you fight like midway through the campaign, which is just, at this point notorious for everyone because everyone had problems with it. Destiny definitely went hardcore on that boss, and I do not like it.
1: uh think um, it's something that they'll uh, patch to be easy or something like nope, that?
0: Nope, they won't because we beat him. Um But it's difficult as heck. His name is Bruticus, and he is Rudicus. Bruticus the Rudicus. That is what we nicknamed him. I don't remember what his actual uh title was because... I mean all the bosses get titles, but that's what we nicknamed him was Brudicus the Rudicus because he kept on murdering us. Um But a- anyways, uh so grand scale of what's happening here. We finally are finding Sabbathon. This has been hinted at for like five years now of in-game lore. Um the books, the people talking about it, and she's been deceiving us, and she has a light, and we're figuring out how did she get it. And this is this is the real um spoiler warning for everyone. We actually give her her memories back as we do the campaign. She actually left hints and secrets to get us to go reveal to her what her past was because when you become a guardian, you lose all your memories of your past self. you're you're brand new. You have no concept of what your history was before you were resurrected as a guardian. And so what Savathun did before she died was she set up this whole throne world so that as we went and fought her, we'd actually unlock her memories by all these different altars and things that we would interact with that would then show her what she used to be before she became the light bearer, witch queen.
1: Okay. So like, so she was planning on becoming a light bearer because it sounded like she literally couldn't before because of the dark worm, you said.
0: Right. So she had this whole elaborate scheme and we find out th- that the, she first off intentionally died. She actually died. We killed her at the end of the last season. Um,
1: but and it was she, part of her grandmaster plan.
0: It was her part of her plan so that she got resurrected by the traveler because she figured out that you had to be like willing to submit and uh, beg for the traveler's light or whatever. Like it, the traveler is not biased It just is once powerful uh, people to protect it from the darkness. And so she basically offered the Traveler, hey, make me a light bearer, and I will protect you. And so the whole last mission of the campaign is you trying to stop her from stealing the Traveler. She has brought the Traveler into her dimension and she's trying to run away with it. And so if she did run away with it, we would lose the Light. Like the Light would be gone from the Guardians and... Game over. And so, like, there's this whole elaborate behind-the-scenes thing, and we're like... It basically made everyone question all of a sudden, which is something I brought up my first ever playthrough of Destiny 2, is, why does everyone trust the Traveler so much? This thing looks ominous as heck. Like, I don't trust this thing.
1: And, and for then, reference, it's like a big, glowing... It's, it's like... orb, right?
0: Yeah, it's like basically a mini-moon. Like that just rests above the earth. Like it's, it's just there. And all of a sudden it gave humanity technology and powers and stuff like just out of the blue.
1: Usually something Um, like that wouldn't happen without an ulterior motive.
0: Exactly. That's why it's so like, I thought it was sketchy from day one. Now, of course, at this point, I've been playing around so much with it that I, it's just expected, honestly, that the traveler is there. And so it's really cool because We've had um, DLCs that brought up more lore, or this or that, or brought up enemies that we see. And, like, they've been fun, but we haven't had a DLC that th- has been this integral to the actual story of Destiny 2, which is the story of the Traveler versus the Darkness. And then on top of that, we actually know what we're fighting now. So, like, the Darkness was just these pyramid ships is all we knew them as, Um we saw them in Shadowkeep, the DLC that came out. Whenever I started playing, Beyond Light had an Arch uh, Pyramid ship that we or we actually used it to. We have a Darkness subclass as Guardians now, so we can wield the Darkness. So, like, all of a sudden, the question of whether or not you it, the Darkness was bad was kind of like, is it bad or is it being utilized as bad? Like, we we it was so. The concept of light and dark got blurred really quickly and then this season really blurred it cuz all of a sudden we're fighting against light. Like light it, and dark
1: it's... aren't bad, they're just elements wielded by factions.
0: Exactly. And that that's that's the that's what Bungie's getting at. Um but what's interesting is they revealed to us what the big bad is finally. At the end of the campaign, you I for, so going off of the scaling, we tried to beat Savathun. You have to kill Savathun at the end of the campaign.
1: So and Savathun isn't it. in fact the big bad.
0: No, no, Savathun is wielding the light, so she can't be the big bad. We're talking about the one that's controlling the darkness. Like that's the big bad.
1: The bad, not not the the bad, the uh, the uh, the antithesis of the traveler, which is the wielder of the light.
0: Yes, or the supplier and, uh, of the light, rather. Ex- exactly, and actually, we don't technically know if there isn't some like being inside the traveler, or if it's the traveler itself, like. We just see the orb that is the traveler. Like I always have thought, maybe there's been something that's living in there, dormant or something like
1: that. And nobody like goes up there and knocks on you it. Can't. And says, there, like, no,
0: no one goes in. Like, yeah, you don't do that. It's, I don't know why, but we don't.
1: It's like at least somebody would be. Uh, what's up there, guys? Anybody want to take a field trip?
0: There's there's a certain like religious reverence to the travelers uh, in society because it provided the guardians and saved humanity. So. Maybe that has something to do with it.
1: Guys, um, we got all this stuff. Don't question it. <laughs> that's,
0: this is why I have concerns. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's so... So at the very end, we finally kill off Savathun, which was super hard to pull off. Um, to give reference for how awesome and also frustrating Legendary mode was, Like I played it single player, I played it two player, and I played it three player. So, like, those are all the different modes you can play for Legendary. And single player, I could rock and roll and maybe have to repeat something twice, and I'd still go through and knock it out. Like, it was hard, but I could do it. Um, Double player, like, actually, you kind of have, like, the best sweet spot because you have someone to res you, and you can still do a lot of, like, on your own DPS, and the bosses and enemies aren't super difficult three player all of a sudden the boss takes so much to kill and like you have enemy after enemy swarming you and all of them hit like a bus like it is so difficult we couldn't beat the final boss on three player we had to split up into two groups of uh two players so I, I went played it once and I went back and played it again to help out the other one Um. so it's it was such good scaling all this led up to a final cutscene when we finally met The big bad, the witness, which was some mega mind looking darkness wielding alien that I got.
1: I got to look up a picture real quick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, look up the (laughs) witness picture.
1: Yeah. Destiny to the witness.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Tell me what you think of it.
1: What in the world am I looking at?
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm, it's, I wanted to know if the image... Yeah yeah, 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 you see... Yeah, yeah, you see it. It is so freaking weird and so awesome at the same time because we don't know what we've been finding this whole time. Like, everyone's been saying darkness, but clearly darkness is not the enemy because we've been wielding it. Like, it is a tool being used. And so this is the enemy. This is the final fight, so to speak, to bring down because he wants to destroy the traveler now the question i don't know yet is actually is it okay to destroy the traveler because in reality what is good and what is bad like we don't know the full motives
1: yeah we they know- literally just flip the script on who's the good guy and who's the bad guy and what what's going on
0: well i mean but- technically we the traveler is still the good guy for all purposes cuz it's still protecting humanity it still keeps the guardians but we also know that it's only doing it for its own self-interest to protect itself against the witness.
1: Exactly. That's like saying the, your body, your body's blood cells, like you're the good guy to your body's blood cells, right? Because your blood cells live off of you and they protect you.
0: Right now. Now here's the, here's the exception of why we know the witness is not at least a good deal for us because like, uh, technically, based off what we know, like, why wouldn't I just go over to the witness side and like roll with them or roll with him? Be like, yeah, I'll I'll take that power and utilize it and screw off Traveler because you've just been using me the whole time. Um, the witness straight up goes in and he's like, hmm, yes. And he collects the last of each species as disciples for him. And so he has been killing off like civilizations he is what caused the hive to exist and he he actually used one of his disciples to get the worm gods to work with the hive uh at the time they were called the krill so before they became the hive the three uh hive gods um the savathun the witch queen that we fought oryx the taken king and then zivu Araf is the only one that still is currently living technically we still don't know actually if orcs and sabathine are fully dead because some semantics of storytelling right i don't really but but basically zivorath's the only one left he's the reason they even became hive and e- use the darkness instead because the traveler was actually going to their planet and going to give them the light and they were like nope we're not having that you guys are going to use the darkness here And it was this whole, like, lie told to the Krill eventual, which became the Hive, of, oh, yeah, the planet's going to die, this thing's going to arrive, and you're going to all, like, lose, and it's over. In reality, the Traveler was coming to their planet and going to give them, like, technology, longer life, and all the things that it gave humanity. And another alien race, actually, like, multiple alien races have dealt with the Traveler at this point. That's why we fight so many alien races, because they were left by the Traveler, and they're trying to get it back. Um... And so the Hive was the only one that was hardcore, the darkness faction. And all of a sudden you find out the darkness tricked them like the witness tricked them into becoming his faction. And it's all because he's, he used them to wipe out civilization after civilization to further his end of all life
1: goal. He just needed soldiers.
0: Yes. That's in essence. That's what the hive was, was a, was soldiers because, um, to get the worm's power, there's a requirement of you must constantly feed the worm. And so Savathun's worm was fed by lies and deception. That's why she was always lying and deceiving. Oryx's worm was fed by, uh, exploration. So he was constantly going to new galaxies and kind of taking them over. Um, but then Ziva's Raph, uh, Ziva Raft's worm is constant conflict. So she must constantly be in war. So you have the conqueror, you have the deceiver and you have the soldier, uh, general and so all we have left to fight is technically the general at this point which is going to be an interesting campaign i look forward to it i'm assuming we'll have to fight her at this rate since we've taken out the other two hive and she still has the darkness um but we we don't know what comes next and that's the crazy thing is like we finally have so much lore revealed and we still don't know so much and i kind of like love it for all those reasons so, that that's a lot to unpack. I'd realize like I basically have given a synopsis of everything we just got in Destiny 2. Um and if you actually uh, this this is a plug for not our channels, but my name is Byf. He is a Destiny 2 lore historian. He has like a 3-hour long video on the lore of Destiny 2 and it's awesome cuz he like takes in game footage, he takes uh custom made artist work and everything and the actual lore books in game because there's so much lore in Destiny that you actually, like, if you want to know all of it, you have to read the in-game books that they, like, collect over time to get everything, because it's so massive. Um, but he, like, brings it all into one thing so you can know what's going on. Including Destiny 1. He, uh, yeah, you know, he he has a video from, uh, I saw one that was Destiny for technically the the whole hive krill thing was like thousands and thousands of years before destiny one started so like that's all lore from way back and like he includes that um and then you go all the way up to destiny to uh shadow keep i think is from that to sh- the shadow keep dlc i think is one whole video and then he has continuations from there so i i highly encourage it if this is all interest to you um all this being said this DLC saved Destiny, being frank. Like, we we had good DLCs. We had really fun uh, stuff going on. This actually basically brought the community back to life to the point where they had won the biggest raid day ones I think they've had in a very long time. Like, maybe since raids first came out. Which is, is saying something. Um, And I... I I don't want to go too terribly long into this, but I, I, I would like to talk about Raid Day also. But I, I, do you have any questions, I guess, in general? Because, like, you're coming from an outside perspective. So, obviously, I may have just skated over some things that may not, didn't make sense.
1: Um, Not questions, per se, but it sounds like, to me, that The Witness is basically Brainiac from Superman. Yeah, no,
0: actually, yeah. Kind of. Uh, they, they fused Brainiac's motives with Megamind's look <laughs> and decided to make him ethereal. Uh, that, that's basically my synopsis of what the witness is. Um, and, and it's really cool because like they, they continuously build lore, right? So uh, the raid actually brought in a bunch more lore to explain all this. Uh, so we actually went in for the raid and... And we fought inside a pyramid ship the whole time we were in it. Like that was what we were doing. The whole time was just fighting inside a pyramid ship. Um, this was technically the first new alien species we fought since destiny two came out. Like before that point, all the alien subspecies like of different, uh, species were already like fully fleshed out. Um, Technically, they had variations that existed, but this is like the first one that's like, we've never seen this type of species before, and it, it, it was really cool. Um, but there's a catch to it, right? So uh, the new species is the last of his kind because he's one of the disciples. And so that's why the raid's called Val the Disciple. It's, it's our first entry to what the witness does. He takes one being from each species, Get grants them power and helps them annihilate their world, and then they follow him.
1: Imagine making your species go extinct because some big, big brain man gave you some power. I mean,
0: in reality, yeah, because like, so Rolk was the reason why the uh, worm gods went to the hive and gave them the worms and gave them power. So like. The whole reason we fight the hive is because this dude showed up after he killed off his world and granted the worm's power and a way off the planet. Which is just next level lore building and I, I it, it was so good. Um and I can praise the lore of Destiny many times over because I've I'm I I have 700 plus hours into this game. Like that's even a lot for me at this rate, and I still love playing this, like, every day. So, I, I'm i giving, like, I give Destiny a 10 out of 10, even on my most frustrating days in it. So, uh, the basic here is uh, both games that we've listed so far are pretty good in both our books. The, uh, the only thing is I can't recommend Destiny to new players, because... Unfortunately, as it's gotten older, they've removed DLCs from the past and it's just really hard to get into unless you watch the My Name Is by video, but even that, that's still not the same as experiencing the campaign itself.
1: Yeah, there's less personal stake in how everything goes.
0: Yeah. Though, I mean, admittedly, this is like one of the best eras of Destiny. They gave us a lot of new things. They gave us weapon crafting. So finally, we can pick the perks that we put on our guns after we work on leveling them up. Uh, they gave us new uh the new worlds of play around in they updated uh several styles of game mode um across the board we got better loot pools like everything honestly this this, when i say it saved destiny 2 it updated and brought up everything that was a problem well not everything but most things that were major glaring issues and it's come to fix slash reset a lot of them and one of the ways they're doing that actually is they gave us a new um so there's three subclasses in Destiny. Uh so you have your character classes and then you have subclasses, your characters. I play Hunter exclusively. I am I just don't like playing Warlock and Titan because I like being able to just run around constantly and have dodge ability. Um
1: mobility so, is is very important in games.
0: It's just it makes it fun. Like you just all of a sudden have so much more to do. Uh and so Inside of that, we then have three light subclasses and one darkness subclass. The darkness subclass, like I mentioned, is stasis. That's why I said there's a similarity, because it's ice. You freeze people. Um, you have slowing effects, like all these different things that go on with stasis. What they did with this new DLC, and what they're doing throughout the rest of this year, actually, so and then when the new seasons come out, we're getting it, the, the original three subclasses we started the game with, arc, solar, and void are all getting updated to what Stasis's uh, subclass looks like. So all of a sudden we're getting a lot more customization and a lot more options of what we can do with our characters with our abilities and how we interact with our weapons. So so to give context for that, we got a new weapon type called Glaive in the DLC.
1: That's the one looks like the broken sword.
0: Yes. It I mean if you look up Glaive in ancient times, it's very similar looking like it's it's an ancient weapon. Um designed for Yeah, it's designed for uh, wider range sweeping attacks between like kind of like a polearm and a bow staff. So we got the glaive. It's a melee uh, projectile blocking weapon. Like it's an all in one thing. As a hunter with Void 3.0, I can be invisible majority of the time I play the game and it is so much fun. And to to give context, if I'm invisible, the only thing that hurts me is if there's like fire in the ground or something. Like they can't, they don't shoot at me anymore because they don't see me. And so I basically get to go around as invisible and invincible and just sneak attack people with my glaive. And every time, because of a certain aspect I built in my class, like this is talking about how things are so broken, uh, every time I get a melee kill, it activates my invisibility for 12 seconds.
1: Usually it's the other way around when you do a attacking motion when you're invisible that's what kills your stealth that's right. what like activates the fight
0: right and so you actually do have that also so to to be to be clear there, there, they did things to kind of make it so it, it it's not too OP so like you can still screw up and die because you have your uh dodge ability which with the void update meant you like so technically all these things sort of existed before in the game but what they did was they gave you more freedom to pick and choose how they connect because you it used to be you picked one of three different ways and you got like an aspect of each of these but now you get to choose your aspects and you get to choose how those aspects work and so when i dodge i turn invisible for uh i think it's eight seconds is what i have it set to and then, as soon as you shoot or melee something, you lose your invisibility, and that's always the case. You will always lose it. However, with another aspect to throw on top of that, because you get to run two aspects, I can then use my melee, and as soon as I finish someone off with voids, a type, and my melee in this case is void, I then activate uh, my invisibility again, and so, but there's a two second cooldown. Before I can use another activation. So technically I have to kill an enemy. Wait two seconds. And then kill another enemy. And then I get it again after I kill that enemy. So when I'm ad clearing. I can just roll through ads. And keep on going invisible. And keep on uh, stunning them basically.
1: For clarification. When you say ads. That's just like. Additional enemies. enemies.
0: Yeah grunt enemies. Now they actually have these things. Called seasonal mods. And one of them is called Suppressive Glaive. This is why my build is broken. Um, it's so broken, in fact, that they, re- uh, Destiny removed the option to run Suppressive Glaive mod in the raid, day one. So they saw that this was a problem and said, nope, you can't bring that into this fight, so we are disabling it for the whole game for this weekend. So it, it was a problem, because... I still am abusing it to this day, and I still do not regret it. (laughs) You feel so awesome when you do it. Um, And so suppression means that the enemy can't fight back. If you activate suppression on an enemy, it loses its super, it loses its abilities, and it won't fight back at you. Now imagine you can melee everything, go invisible, and fight them, and they won't fight back. That is my character build.
1: That does sound very broken
0: it is like to the point that it would have made the clearing for day 1 raid probably stupid easy like ridiculously so um and i, I want to talk about day 1 raid real quick uh we're we're probably close on time here but real quick here 546,000 players entered the raid day 1 which is a pretty decent amount honestly for the game cuz there was a million uh pre-orders so this is half of the pre-orders enter the raid and you had to have the the uh dlc to play this uh of that number so 546 is our starting number Two hundred and seventy thousand cleared the first room
1: how many rooms four so yeah that's a intense drop off we lost half at the first room
0: now now here's the next drop off the second room was cleared by 131,000. So half of the half, a quarter of the raiders left finished the third room.
1: So an eighth of all total players that played it?
0: Oh wait, sorry, sorry. I, I lied. Uh, a quarter, no, it wouldn't be an eighth, it'd be a quarter. A quarter of all the players finished the second room of the raid. From there, okay. only 80,000 finished the third room. So now we're talking like an eighth. And then from there, only 32,621 players beat the whole raid.
1: And were you, and you were one of those Mega Chad players? No. Oh, you didn't finish? I didn't finish day one.
0: Uh, How far did you (laughs) get?
1: Did you drop out of room one?
0: No, no, actually, uh, well, technically you can give uh, Jordan and others all all the crap you want for that because they dropped off on room one. I went between three different groups day one and got through. uh, So so to to clarify, I put 16 hours into this raid day one.
1: That is some dedication.
0: Uh, In all fairness to my dedication here, I, I can't claim this on the same level that other people can claim, I guess, day ones because Bungie was swamped with errors day one. So that they so much so that they actually extended the raid window from one day, so twenty four hours, to two days because so many people were getting disconnected and DC'd and everything else. Like it was bad.
1: So day one was two days long.
0: Yes. So forty eight hours.
1: So now the all- problem I see with that is if people like took off work for day one because they wanted to play it day one and then couldn't, they don't have day two off of work.
0: Well, it, it is Saturday Sunday. That that's what it, raids are on Saturdays so at noon for a central time
1: I'm just saying you can't you can't plan for that second day what if you had plans you know
0: well yeah no and I mean that's that's fair and people like that's why people gave it grief or whatever but on the same time I know a lot of people that liked it because then they got to play it because they couldn't play the first day
1: well, so yeah, it, the first day was broken
0: no I'm saying like they, they actually weren't going to be able to raid at all like do a day one raid
1: oh so others misery is their joy
0: yeah, and so I actually am of the opinion that Bungie should change it so that it's a full weekend for every day one raid right now. So like make it a full just weekend, like first weekend raid or whatever. I mean, they can keep the day one by technicality, but I think 48 hours is a fair time frame to give for people to get the accomplishment. Um, Because I, I did 16 of the hours in that 48 hours, and I got through room two. Actually, that's not even true. I didn't even beat room two.
1: But you got two room two.
0: Yes, that's true. I so I hopped out my first group four hours in. They were done. Uh, too, too much frustration because the ads are really hard. Actually, like, it takes multiple hits just to clear a, an, a a simple enemy. Like we're talking, so like the gold bars are highest uh, power. These are red bars. Red bars are lowest, and you still took like three or four hits from a powerful weapon to kill it. Um. Well, I guess not that powerful. You could just fire a primary and kill him. But Uh, uh, semantics aside, so I I spent four hours in my first group that I built together, and then I literally hopped on to LFG, and I was just like, hey, I am looking for a group to join, and I joined a random group. They had already beat the first encounter, so I helped them with second encounter. We did not beat it. Uh, Their sixth guy came back. I left. I joined another group. They had not beat the first encounter. I taught them how to do the first encounter, and we beat it, and then we went into the second one, and we couldn't beat it. And so I, between the three groups and between the two rooms, I have roughly eight hours in each of the rooms on day one for the first two rooms.
1: I don't think I've ever played that much video game in one go.
0: I haven't either, unless I guess technically I can maybe count doing the Halo Reach campaign in one night. Back when I was in like middle school, so I definitely didn't really know how to play video games that well. But like, I haven't. I I was grinding for, I mean, you, you could testify to this. I was just playing Destiny 2 nonstop for two weeks before the raid. Like when it came out, all I did every night, I hopped on as soon as work was over and I played Destiny 2. Like I was doing everything I could to get ready for this because I like I have this like competition drive and I really wanted to do this. And it was like, like I made the joke earlier, like, was it worth it? I really liked it. Like, I would do it again, 100%. I just want a group that I can stick with on it, I guess, is my big thing.
1: It's just hard to find some a, a whole group of people with that much dedication.
0: I mean, it is not isn't, because, like, I was one of many on the Discord that I got all the people, like, I joined the random groups on. Like, there was a lot of groups there that did somewhere around between the 48 hours. Like, some of them did, like, 24 hours.
1: Like, so random it- people, people you no or these are just
0: people so this is um mr fruit is a youtuber streamer i watch and so this is his discord group so this is just people that you join the discord and it's looking for guardian is one of the uh uh discord chat channels and so you can just go to that channel say hey i want to do this does anyone need one or can i get some people for this and people will just random join you in a voice chat on discord
1: Okay, so if you leverage the power of the internet, you'll find like-minded people. But actually knowing people who, you know...
0: Oh, yeah, no, I... Like, in all fairness, the first group I did it with, I did grab from that Discord half my team because I only knew two other people that was willing to raid with me from my immediate friends. And so, like, it it is really hard. Like, I mean, it does not anyone can just go and do this. Like, I... It's... As odd as that is to say, like it almost is its own sport in the sense of like the dedication and determination and willpower you have to put into this because you just need to expect that you will not be good. Like, day one enemies are four times harder than they are when during normal raid. I have now beat this raid three plus times um, on normal mode. Like, it's pretty easy to go through and do now for me. But that day one experience, it is so demoralizing as you do it over and over again. But once you do it, like that satisfaction, you know what I'm talking about? Like you wait, work on this forever. And all of a sudden, boom, you're done. Like it's happened.
1: I mean, I had a blocked ear for like a week. And at the end of when I finally unblocked it with the little silicone squirty bottle thing, the amount of euphoria, let me tell you yeah so imagine that but you just played a video game for eight hours in one room and
0: finally you beat it
1: it's like getting the popcorn kernels stuck out of the back of your teeth times 10
0: yes yes yeah. <laughs> I'm, say I'm like better than that but yeah no it's the times ten. so like it's it's not for everyone i won't ever say hey yeah you should definitely do day one right to someone who's just like randomly likes to play the game but like if you like a challenge, like I like being able to work with random groups of people and like get to a solution and like work on it. I, I think it comes from me playing sports. Like this is the closest like to a sports team type environment in a video game I think you can get. Barring
1: esports, right.
0: Well, I'm I, I it, yeah, but esports is so much about um perfecting against an opponent that's like another player versus this is against the AI. Like you're you're be you're you're grouping up together to fight the game, so that I think that's the difference. I guess that I would attribute to it. Maybe if I like, was a
1: WoW player, I could, <laughs> I could, uh, you know, relate relate more. But yeah,
0: I honestly I would love it if I got to have more people I know. Like I at this point, I'm pretty sure I could uh the the quote unquote term is Sherpa someone through a raid. You can. You know all the mechanics, you teach people how to do it. Um, and there's actually a pretty big community of people that like want to be Sherpa'd because they don't know how to do stuff and they want to get into it. So like I, most of the raids at this point, I can now Sherpa someone through. And I've only played the raids about two or three times each.
1: But like actually, you said, part of the enjoyment is overcoming the challenge.
0: Right. If you get yeah.
1: sherpa through, your the challenge part is taken away.
0: Well, yes and no, because like, the the day one, there's like this extra challenge and it's like, oh, I'm finding out at the same time as everyone else in the world right now how to do this. Like, there's no guide. There's no instruction on how to do it. You are guessing and solving and problem solving. But then after day one, raids become really like, not easy, but they're doable. And so uh, the Sherpa role isn't exactly just to take you through the raid. It is literally a good Sherpa will teach you how to do the raid. So imagine it's like you had the person that uh, first figured out how to canoe upstream. And then now that person is teaching our people how to canoe upstream. So like I can't make I can't win it for them. It still is a team effort, but I can give them the skills and explain how the mechanics work so that we can do it together.
1: Right. So it's like kind that, of a funny dilemma, though, that that experience of becoming the Sherpa when there aren't any Sherpas is such a time limited window.
0: Uh, yeah, in all fairness, there's also not a limitation either, because like if you just don't look up Sherpa or look up on the internet a guide, or if you don't have someone who knows how to do it, you can do the you can still solve it on your own after the fact.
1: Sure, um, but it's artificial, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there's just this like certain like level of prestige that you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be the guy that we we're, we're going to beat it day one." Like there is that there's this drive, this competition. And I mean, there is a bunch given to like the the world's first team, which by the way, the fastest team to get this raid done was 7 hours and 45 minutes. Um
1: such a long but... time. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly.
0: I I ordered a pizza the night before, so I would have the leftovers the next day, so I wouldn't have to cook or worry about food. Like really, I planned out. You really thought it through. I'll give you that. I, I mean, I've been wanting to do this day one since I saw day one a year ago. It only the raids only come out like twice a year, and only new raids, like brand new raids, really come out once a year.
1: They'll, that's they'll bring. What, that's up. what I mean. It's it's such a crazy thing that. That experience is so limited because it takes so long to you know build the game around the the raid experience and then it's just i don't know it's it's hard to describe what i'm thinking
0: i mean it, it the reality is it's, it's it's uh this is like the top of a you you do not get higher than this in terms of difficulty and accomplishments in the game um the day one raid is like literally the hardest activity to be done in the game. And that's like by design, but it's also limited. And so like, not everyone can do it. Not everyone, even though like I put tons of hours into this game, I still wasn't capable of getting it done. Um, And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you play the game so long, you enjoy the normal activities. Eventually they become boring because you can, totally knock them out no problem and I actually enjoy sometimes just having a chill day and doing some chill activities and having fun with it and then you do harder activities the game has scaling and certain activities are like oh wow get, get this accomplishment go for this achievement and like you get something out of it or like a new gun or something but like day one raid is just it's a next level it's just there, there isn't anything in the game or for that matter many other games I know of that are to that scale now maybe dark souls is impossible to do a boss or whatever but you you can do it over time but like it's just a it's a really fun unique community experience to have to day one raid
1: so I can uh, I can put my brain in that place sort of you know I mean, to understand but I would never
0: I'll be day one reading uh, probably the next one will come out maybe August or so um, and it will be probably an older. So what they're doing is they're recycling the, uh, the old, uh, raids from destiny one. They're bringing them in and updating them and giving them new mechanics and new methods so that they're slightly harder because they were just beginning to figure out how to build the game in destiny one.
1: So in terms um, of story, it's, it's nothing new. It's purely a gameplay thing.
0: Yeah. And so it's just learn the mechanics. Like you technically already know what the encounter is, but they changed the mechanics on you. So you have to learn new mechanics. And those raids typically go a lot faster. Um, but I'm definitely gonna be trying that with day one raid two, uh, assuming it comes out because there we don't we aren't guaranteed, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh well, doing it again.
1: Well, good luck to your, your future raiding self.
0: Yeah, I mean uh it's it's not something for everyone, but I found I really enjoyed it and then I have to wash myself off from how much I was just doing one thing forever.
1: Yeah. Um, I can see the I can see the appeal, but it's definitely not for me. Kinda like fish. Oh, you don't like fish? Not a fan, no. Oh, okay, fair enough. We
0: are way over at this point. We're nearly an hour and a half into this. Uh I wait, apologize wait. to our podcast audience, but you know, I really enjoy this and this has been a podcast we've been trying to get around to for a while.
1: Um you finally <laughs> had to just dump that uh Destiny two 2- <laughs> Knowledge this, is <laughs> this is my exposition.
0: This was just me reeling off. Like you didn't even get the chance to ask a lot of questions. So I'm, I apologize. No, um, I, I uh, asked
1: the questions yeah. I had.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if we there's to be future podcasts on this, and if the, people are interested, like please go ahead and message, uh, hit us up on uh Twitch, uh, go to the q a section of Spotify wherever you can. Like, please, we love to interact with you guys as our audience, and um if you guys like it maybe share it see if anyone else is interested um yes i'm shilling and yes i think this is worthwhile to shill because i mean we're we're i enjoy doing this and i i shane as far as i know you also enjoy doing this so i don't i want to see this maybe grow and see if we can get other people that talk with in a community in it
1: yeah uh you want to link our discord in any of the descriptions for the podcast
0: oh i always do oh wait oh that discord Never mind. Yeah, no, I'll link that one too. Uh I have our I have our Twitch channels linked. I'll link our Discord. Um
1: Wait, you're linking two Discords? I'm talking about the public one.
0: No, I I said I'll link our Twitch and I'll link our Discord.
1: The public one, right?
0: Yes, yes. The okay. public
1: one. Cool.
0: No, I'm not gonna give a bunch of random strangers our very Small group of people Discord. I'm just that saying, like that really my
1: address, my address is in that Discord somewhere. So, like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, we're not doing that one. We're not leaking stuff. Sorry for all those that really are interested in, but uh, enjoy your own lives and don't live vicariously through us. I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, join join our Discord. We we'll, we'll look forward to having you. We have several other guys on there, and we most of us are in one form or another streaming. Um, I stream several times a week typically maybe up to five days a week if i'm feeling like it if not link to that
1: stream if you don't feel like spelling it is probably is in the discord so
0: yeah so just uh hit us up join our discord community and uh with that Sorry for the long podcast, but we're back and we work. We will continue to do this um, probably every other week. I think is a fair assessment to make if we can make it happen. If not, life happens, and we hope you understand that. Um, we tried to get this out sooner, but we couldn't. Um we'll, so the, we'll
1: do them as we can because we like doing them.
0: Yeah. So with that, thank you for so much for listening. If you're still here, uh, then you are a legend, and uh, we will see you next time. Um, with that. Peace out. It has been an absolute blast.
1: Roll credits.